0: Morbid and apop- an apocalyptic. But as a young kid, death was an overwhelming and a complex idea for me to grasp. So I made this up to make something mysterious and menacing into something I could fit my head around. Death didn't become any less mysterious as I grew up, but at least I stopped being afraid that God would wake up. Death really is the greatest unknown. Humans have an innate curiosity that compels us to delve into these mysteries. It compelled us to go to the moon and to look at tiny bacteria under a microscope. But when we turn this curiosity to, to what happens after death, we don't get very far. Because really, all we can know is that your body decomposes in the ground. There's no way that we can know So we create solutions for ourselves because there's a little thing in us that needs to explain death. Our beliefs about what happens after death let us take a little bit of comfort in feeling that we know. Some people think that you're reincarnated after you die and you get a whole new life. Others take solace in knowing that when you rot in the ground, you're contributing to new life and going back to nature. Still others believe in a heaven and a hell where justice is always served. The idea that good people will get what they deserve in the end is a comforting way to think about things. And this this way of thinking is something that we do a lot, thinking of things as dualities of heaven and hell of the good people and the bad people, yin and yang, the light and the dark, and life and death. And this way of thinking is kind of what, what makes us imagine that there has to be an afterlife. If we have this rich, intricate life, there must be an opposite of that, a, a lush, detailed afterlife to balance it. But as much as we long for that balance and that duality, we can't know. The mystery of what happens after death affects how we live our lives. It provides a kind of deadline. We all live our lives and collect ambitions and goals, things we love to do, places we'd we'd like to go someday. And the uncertainty of whether we'll have the chance to achieve them tomorrow, makes us appreciate how extraordinary it is that we got the chance to achieve them at all. Knowing that life is finite reveals to us the value of this immense gift that we've been giving in every day of life.
1: Death has changed. Society has evolved with time. Many of our beliefs on death and the afterlife were established thousands of years ago, but new people with new ideas, discoveries, and philosophies have come forth since then. The work of these people have enhanced our knowledge about death, both scientifically and spiritually. We know today so much more about this mysterious, inevitable challenge than ever before. As compared to older times, the process of dying has become so much more complex. Some people are brought back from death after their hearts have stopped, and others can hang on to the thread of life long after their bodies have had surrendered. The process is also more lengthy. People lie in hospital beds with cures for almost every ailment at their disposal. We can, thus, family and friends often have time to prepare themselves for the storm. The lines between alive and and dead are being redrawn practically every year with the improvement of medical technology and new attempts to answer these age-old questions. With death being such a powerful event to so many people, it's no wonder that the media has latched onto it. But these days, we are practically bombarded with imagery of death in our daily lives. We have movies, TV shows, and games depicting death dramatized, glorified, Parents worry that this sort of exposure will numb us to the true impact of a loved one's death. I must say, their worries aren't completely unfounded. The news is also telling us constantly stories of death. The past eight years, we've been hearing it almost every day. Ten soldiers died today in Iraq. The next day, three more soldiers were killed, or another school shooting happened today. It's no wonder that people have stopped reacting to this news. Our lives are surrounded by the imagery of death. All day, we are witness to these messages, but when it finally strikes us, like with the loss of a loved one, we are given no time for it. We are expected to go on with our ordinary lives immediately. Not me. When I hear from my parents, our neighbor's son was killed last night, or your grandfather just passed away from a brain tumor, I don't want to brush it off and be expected by the rest of the world to continue as if nothing has happened. I want time to reflect, to grieve, to feel, to actually realize what's going on. I want to stop for death as long as I need to. As Unitarian Universalists, we must witness these changes in wonder. With all this passivity and sensationalism towards death nowadays, How can we keep death as a sacred passing? Luckily, we are privileged with the ability to let our spiritual beliefs adapt and evolve with our learning, and must flex this ability to ensure that we we reach the closure and comfort we need when the time comes. Our teachings tell us that when we pass, our spirit lives on in this world through our words, our actions, and the memories of others, that death is not the absolute end. However, contrary to many faiths, life is not treated simply as the test to get into paradise, either. We don't need to constantly live life looking over our shoulders. But even with these teachings, death is still one of the biggest mysteries we all face. And we should continue to look for further answers to this timeless question. Continuing the search is how, in this society, we can keep the importance of death alive.
2: Um, I'd like to start with a quote by Diane Frolov. It's no accident that the church and the graveyard stand side by side. The city of the dead sleeps encircled by the city of the living. The drums start. It starts in their feet, moving upward and outward, filling their whole being, voices calling, they dance. I saw this on my trip to Ghana, Awake, a funeral, but it sure didn't feel like one. There was dancing and music and laughter, a constant drumming. People have such different beliefs about death. Around here, at most funerals, people cry and mourn the loss of someone special who is in their life. In Ghana, it's a time to celebrate and rejoice. Looking back, I think they have a point. Life is a gift. And yes, the fact is, someday we will all die. But why should I cry and sit? being sorrowful, when I could dance and sing and celebrate the amazing life this person had and be thankful for being a part of it. A life is something to celebrate, no matter how short. In Ghana, life does not end when you die, but goes on into another realm. It is looked upon as a person's greater relationship with all of the Earth's inhabitants. Death is more universal than life. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. Take the time to make sure you live for today. Make good use of the time you have here and now. Each year at Christmas, my family and Julia Berg's family get together and sing at Julia's grave. We make ice lanterns and tell stories. This is how we keep her with here with us, by remembering the time we did have, however short. Enjoy the time you have, because tomorrow is never promised. Take the time you do have to make connections because the connections you make today are what will keep your spirit alive and well when you are gone. It is unknown, but there is no need to escape. Death is the end result of every journey. We cannot know what happens after death until we get there, but we can affect what happens now and what happens to those we leave behind. The unknown is a scary thing. Is there a heaven? Who knows, maybe there is and maybe there isn't, but I do believe that you can find little parts of heaven on earth with loved ones. Death does not always come at the best moments, but is inevitable. According to Gilda Radner, I wanted a perfect ending. Now I've learned the hard way, that some poems don't rhyme and some stories don't have a clear beginning, middle, and end. Life is about not knowing, having to change, Taking the moment and making the best of it without knowing what's going to happen next. Delicious ambiguity.
3: Love of mine, someday you will die, but I'll be close behind, I'll follow you. Into the dark No blinding light Or tunnels to gates of white Just our hands clasped so tight Waiting for the hint of a spark If heaven and hell decide That they both are satisfied Illuminate the nose on their face see signs, there's no one beside you when your soul embarks, I'll follow you into the dark, Catholic school, as vicious as Roman rule, I got my knuckles bruised by heart of love so I never went back heaven and hell decide that they both are satisfied Calgary And the soles Of your shoes Are all Worn down The time for sleep Is now But it's nothing That they both are satisfied Illuminate the nose On their vacancy signs If there's no one beside you When your soul embarks Then
4: I'll follow you
3: into the dark I'll follow you into the dark
4: While you are preparing for sleep, brushing your teeth, or rifling through a magazine in bed, the dead of the day are setting out on their journey. They're moving off in all imaginable directions, each according to his own private belief. And this is the secret that Silent Lazarus would not reveal, that everyone is right, as it turns out. You go to the place you always thought you would go, the place you kept lit in an alcove in your head. Some are being shot into a funnel of flashing colors, into a zone of light, white as a January sun. Others are standing naked before a forbidding judge who sits with a golden ladder on one side, a coal chute on the other. Some have already joined the celestial choir and are singing as if they have been doing this forever, while the less inventive find themselves stuck in a big air-conditioned room full of food and chorus girls. Some are approaching the apartment of the female god, a woman in her 40s with short, wiry hair and glasses hanging from her neck by a string. With one eye, she regards the dead through a hole in her door. There are those who are squeezing into the bodies of animals, eagles and leopards, and one trying on the skin of a monkey like a tight suit, ready to begin another life in a more simple key while others float off into some benign vagueness, little units of energy heading for the ultimate elsewhere. There are even a few classicists being led to an underworld by a mythological creature with a beard and hooves. He will bring them to the mouth of a furious cave guarded over by Edith Hamilton and her three-headed dog. (laughs) The rest just lie on their backs in their coffins, wishing they could return so they could learn Italian or see the pyramids or play some golf in a light rain. They wish they could wake in the morning, like you, and stand at a window, examining the winter trees, every branch traced with the ghost writing of snow. Please rise in body and spirit and join hands singing the song of blessing.
3: Whisper words of wisdom, let it be.
0: They're going to line up out there to be greeted.